1: Something you know for the things you don't know. Coverage from progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome into Stacking the Box. I'm Josh Hill alongside Matt Verderam. Verderam, we did it. We made it to the end of the season. 17 weeks in the books. We have the playoffs ahead of us. It was a wild Week 17. The AFC picture flipped upside down. The NFC wasn't decided until literally the final seconds of Sunday night football. And now we know exactly what the road to Miami and the Super Bowl is. But before we get into the playoff pictures, let's quickly digest what we just watched. We watched the Sunday night game between the Seahawks and the 49ers, which came down to a final throw by Russell Wilson. Which came up short of the goal line, but before that we had a delay a game penalty, we had a missed pass interference call. What did you take away from what ended up being starting as a pretty boring lopsided Sunday night game and ending as an instant classic in this rivalry?
0: Yeah, it was it was a great ending. It wasn't a great game for a long time. Uh, San Francisco really dominated, they only punted the ball twice. Um well, look, I think everybody's going to remember it for the sequence at the end of the game. Obviously, Seattle gets the ball. They drive down the field. It looks like they might go in and and win the NFC West and really put San Francisco's title hopes uh, on a thread and then all of a sudden, a pretty blatant pass interference penalty. Not only doesn't get called, it doesn't get reviewed. The Seahawks are at the one-yard line prior to that. They take a ridiculous delay of game uh, and rob us of what might have been Marshawn Lynch going over the top. Yeah. Uh, look, I get Seattle fans are going to complain about the P.I. non-call, and that's fine. I get it. That's fair. But you lost that game because you couldn't get to the line and snapped the ball on time. I mean, ultimately, that that's it. If you do that, you probably run the ball in and win. So, mm-hmm. look, I think it changes everything. I think San Francisco's absolutely a contender to win it all now. I thought if they were the 5 seed, that they wouldn't be. The NFC's just too tough. Um, and with Seattle losing... I still like him in the wild card round against the NFC East, uh, but that that's going to be a long road to home. Now, of course, if they win, there's a really good chance, so that they see the Niners again, yeah. round three, the rubber match.
1: Yeah, we'll get to the NFC in a second, but let's start in the AFC because you had yourself a day as a Chiefs fan. Um, we'll get to the Chiefs, too. I want to start with the Patriots. So they lose to the Dolphins. The Chiefs win, which means the Chiefs are the two-seed. And the Patriots are the three seed. The Patriots have never made it to the Super Bowl after playing in wildcard week in 0-3. They lost in 2005 in the divisional round of the Broncos. In 2006, they lose to the Colts in the AFC Championship game. And in 2009, they lose to the Ravens in the wildcard. 16 of the last 19 seasons, they've made the playoffs. Nine times, they've made it to the Super Bowl. Those three times in the Wild Card haven't made it, but... For as much stock as people are going to put in that, four times they've had a buy and not made it to the Super Bowl. One of those times was a Mark Sanchez special. So let's just say that when we're talking about the Patriots. But they're not going to have a buy this year. They are going to play in the wild card round. What does that do to the Patriots' chance of getting back to the Super Bowl? Because it looks like it's a hard road, and Brady and Belichick are not who they were a decade 15 years ago.
0: Uh, no, they're not, and frankly, I think it ends their chances of going to the Super Bowl. Uh, and I know if you're a Pats fan, you say, "Oh, come on, this team's done it so many times." Look, I get all that, but that's to live in the past. To live in the present, they've not been good this year by their standards. By their standards, they've certainly been good as an NFL team. But I get their 12 and four. But not all records are equal. Okay. They have played nobody this year. When they've played good teams, they've gotten plowed, home and away. They needed to beat the Miami Dolphins in Week 17 at home. The Dolphins actively were tanking early in the year. Now, I get they played better. They even finished the season one five of their last eight. But come on. You're a 17-point favorite in the game at home. And they couldn't get off the field late. Brady was awful for a lot of the game. Ultimately... I'm supposed to believe that team is going to Kansas City and winning and going to Baltimore and winning. Like, Look, could they win one of those games? Could they beat Kansas City? I wouldn't pick it, but yeah, they could. But I don't think they're going to win both those games. No, and I wouldn't be shocked if they lost to Tennessee. They've not been good against good teams. And guess what? It's the playoffs. you are going to face good teams. And now, you know, I thought if they were the two-seed, you get Kansas City at home again. Maybe you do enough off a of buy. You prepare for them for two weeks. You win.
1: How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good.
0: In that game and then, hey, you go up to Baltimore. It's a one-off deal. Now they get no buy and they've got to win. All the, and Edelman doesn't get any rest. The guy's been hurt for the last month. I think, it's, I think it's a very, very uh, mortal blow for New England.
1: What kind of a boost does this give the Kansas City Chiefs now? Because coming into the day, we all woke up thinking they're going to be the three seed. Right. They're going to be playing on wild card weekend. Now they have a week to rest. I mean, the team's been banged up with injuries all year, whether it's at the top with Mahomes on down to the offensive line to the running backs, the wide receivers. Now they have that extra week. And also, this kind of reminded me of... When the Buccaneers went to the playoffs in 2002, 2003, they're playing late in the year against the Bears. They win, and the stars start to align for them. And at that point, it was like, well, you know, they've gone deep into the playoffs before. They're not going to get to the Super Bowl. Otherwise, it would have gotten there already. But there was something about that. I just remember sitting there as a kid being like, I feel special about this. There's something different about this. I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I got that same feeling when I'm sitting there looking at Mahomes and, and uh, Reed on the sideline, and Arrowhead is bumping, and they've got the two seed. Last year was kind of the arrival of Mahomes and Reed. This feels a little different, where now that whole first thing's behind them, and now they have this first round bye. Now the road kind of goes to Arrowhead. I mean, they're eventually going to have to go to, to, to Baltimore because we don't think Baltimore's going to lose in the second round, barring some huge upset. But the Stars feel to be aligning for the Chiefs. What does this do now, in your opinion, to basically getting them to the Super Bowl, a place that we all thought? I mean, they're a D Ford offsides call from getting there last year. I don't now, want to talk about now that. Now it seems it's like happened. they're they're they have a more clear path, or at least a more confident path from everything that has happened this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it it matters, okay? I mean, I'd be lying if I said, oh, I don't think it matters at all. Of course, it matters. I, I think you have to be realistic and say. If you're a Chiefs fan, you play one less game. Like, you don't have to worry about it. They lost Juan Thornhill, their rookie safety, maybe for the year. It looked like a pretty bad knee injury. So that gives them two weeks to kind of figure that out. But for Kansas City, yeah, it makes it a hell of a lot easier. Now they don't have to go to Gillette. If they see the Pats, it'll be in Kansas City. And I get that they lost to him last year. I understand all that. But you'd sure as hell rather play him at Arrowhead than you would in Gillette. And then you know what? If you got to go play Baltimore, fine. You only had to play one game to get to the AFC title game, and if Baltimore gets upset, you're home for the game. And I agree with you. Like, I don't expect Baltimore to get upset, but have I seen weirder things happen? Yeah. Yes. I mean, we just all talked the, about Sanchez beating the, the Patriots all the time. So, I mean, yeah, you see that stuff happen all the time. Uh, I, I think. Look, it's. I don't know if I feel like oh, it's it's special. I feel like, um, it's, it's a big help. Uh, mm-hmm. the last, what, six years, if you've gone to the Super Bowl, you've had a bye. Like, it really helps. It, it, now, now, instead of being a three seed, playing a home game against a Tennessee team that beat the Chiefs early in the year and is the kind of team that gives the Chiefs problems. Now you don't have that problem. Yeah. Now, now you don't have that issue. You're not going to see Tennessee unless they're in the AFC championship game. I think if you're the Chiefs, you'd sign for them in the AFC championship game. Yeah. Um, No, look, it obviously helps. You get rid of a third of your schedule that you're gonna have to play and you're home instead of away for the divisional round. So yes, I look, I have been saying for two months on this podcast, Kansas City and Baltimore are the best teams in that conference. I believe and I've believed since then they they they're going to see each other in the AFC Championship game. They're the two best teams, they're well coached, they're both really good offensively, they're both very good defensively, they're they're excellent on special teams, they don't beat themselves. Like, both those teams, you have the MVP of, of well, I guess reigning MVP, and you've got the, the one that we all believe is going to be in Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Like, I think that's what's happening. And I think most people outside of New England would be thrilled for it.
1: So, wild card weekend is set. We're kind of getting ahead of ourselves with the divisional round. But out of this what happens, New England now plays... On the first weekend of the playoffs, they'll play on Saturday. It's the eight fifteen game. Buffalo and Houston play the four thirty five game on Saturday. Just brief knee jerk. We're going to get back into this a lot more on Thursday too. When Jeff Schwartz is back, right? But knee jerk. Week 17's over. We just watched what we watched. Buffalo and Houston, Tennessee and New England. What do you see out of those matchups?
0: Uh okay. So I'm a big believer in Houston and Buffalo both. Basically, at the fact of bye weeks. Yeah, this week. Needed Essentially, week we played. Um. I think Houston is the better team. I, well, let me rephrase that. I think I think Buffalo is probably the more complete team. Like they're better defensively. I you know I I think Houston has better receivers, but you know the, the the Bills have some underrated weapons, guys like John Brown, uh, tight end Dawson Knox, the rookie. Um, however, I think Deshaun Watson is just much better than Josh Allen. Oh yeah, and. So, I trust Watson more in this game. It's his second playoff game. Last year, if you remember, they played at home against Indianapolis. It got beat pretty handily. Mm-hmm. He did not play well in that game. I think he plays better this time. I will say this. Of all the teams, to me, on Wildcard Weekend Week and on the road, I think they are the most alive underdog. Because Buffalo's defense is really good. And Allen has games where he can be very explosive. So... That's how I feel with that. But I would take Houston to win, and I'll talk more about it, like you said on Thursday with Jeff, when we break down the lines and everything. The Tennessee-New England game, I think Tennessee flat out right now is a better football team, but I, I am picking New England because it is New England. Yeah. They are at home. Like, you know that team. Look, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> that team's not going down without a fight. Okay? And frankly... With all due respect to Tennessee, I think they've done a hell of a job. Vrabel's done a nice job with that team. Tannehill's played terrific. Derrick Henry's been unbelievable. He won the rushing title. I don't think Tennessee's got the chops yet to go up there and beat that team. Mm-mm. Like, to me, you better be one bad mother to take New England down in the playoffs. Now, I, don't, I think New England's fatally flawed this year. Their offense stinks. Brady is clearly not the same player, whether he's hurt or it's his age or whatever. Baltimore, Kansas City, to me... They're bad mothers. Like that is a tough game. I like, I don't care who you are going in there, those are gonna be those are brawls having to go into Arrowhead or, or or MT right now and beat them. I don't think Tennessee's gonna go to Gillette and win. I think it'll be close. And I wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee won. But man, Tennessee getting them off of, off you know what that week's gonna be like in Foxborough. Oh, okay, good, <laughs> and he knows Vrabel's coming luck. in too, one of his and old guys. It's at night in Foxborough. That team's a proud team. I just—I don't think New England's going
1: to lose at home in that spot. All right, let's break down the NFC real quick. The San Francisco 49ers, as we said, they win on Sunday night. They get the one seed. The Green Bay Packers are the two seed, so congratulations to my boy, Matt LaFleur. First yep. year, that stock that I bought, I'm going to get another beach house. Yeah. It's, it's turning out pretty well. Uh, the Saints get the three seed. They're going to play the Vikings, and the uh, Eagles, they win. They, get, they win the NFC East. They're going to play— the seattle seahawks the vikings and the saints game is the 105 game eastern time on sunday and the seahawks and the eagles are the 440 eastern time so we go all afc on saturday all nfc on sunday Knee, again knee-jerk reaction vikings saints seahawks eagles what does that do for you
0: uh all right so let's know, i'll go uh i'll go backwards in in terms of the way the games are scheduled look i I can't get into Seattle and Philadelphia at no, all. No, And no. it's not, not knocking Philadelphia or not knocking Seattle. Philadelphia sucks. Like, I, I just, I'm sorry. And look, I get it. Philly's hurt. I know there have been a million guys out. Okay, th- that division's been a tire fire. They can't lose fast enough. So I don't have to watch the NFC the rest of the year. I, th- they stink. Okay, and I'm sorry. Like Greg Ward and Boston Scott <laughs> are not are not lighting up Seattle <laughs> And I know Seattle's defense hasn't even been that good this year. I expect Wilson to play well enough to
1: win. I know they already beat him there once. And they'll beat them there again. Um, well, you don't want to talk about the Patriots going into next week pissed off? What do you think the Seahawks are yeah. going to do? After and, and that I, game? I just think like holy come on, cow, like,
0: Philadelphia's been awful. I just I just don't see it. Okay, um, the other games are really interesting game. I will say this off the bat: I think the Orleans, when right, is the best team in the NFC. Mm-hmm. So I'm picking them to win. Minnesota has a roster that could go in there and win that game. Now. The big question in that game is obvious. Can Cousins go in there and play well enough to give Minnesota a shot? If Cousins plays well, I think they've got a real shot to win that game because they're good defensively. Dalvin Cook's a beast. They've got receivers. The one thing about the Saints, the Saints' defense is a little Jekyll and Hyde. Decent enough front, Cam Jordan, all those guys, but their secondary like Lattimore's a stud. Von Bell's a good safety, but they can be beat. You can throw the ball in New Orleans. So I think Minnesota's good enough to win. I don't think they will. I'll take New Orleans New Orleans to win. Uh, and, and then I, I think I think Seattle's the only road team of the weekend that gets the upset. Although, like I said, I do think Buffalo is good enough. And Houston is weird. Like we were talking off air earlier. Houston, if you told me Houston beat Buffalo 34-10, to 10, mm-hmm. and Deshaun Watson's like 350, four touchdowns, yeah, I can see him doing it. If you also turned around and said to me, the Buffalo won that game 27-7. You're the one everyone looks to for answers. Come rain or shine, the job must get done, and you're the one who makes it happen. We get you, Jackie in Fresno, putting your employee safety first, and Manny in Chattanooga, whose local Granger team knows him by name. We're here for you and all the ones who get it done. With 24-7 customer support and access to product specialists to help you find what you need. Call, click com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And watching through three picks, I think I could see it too. They probably won't have Fuller, which matters. Yeah. So, I could see it. But in any event, uh, I will take Houston and New England for chalk in the AFC, and I'll take Philly. Don't lose to Seattle. And I'll take uh, – New Orleans to beat Minnesota in a, in the best game of
1: the weekend. And it was 10 years ago, 2009, that the 6 seed Baltimore Ravens went into Foxborough and beat the 3 seed New England Patriots on wild card weekend. So it's not outside the realm of possibility that we could have like what you were talking about, perhaps a better team come in and beat the Patriots in New England. I mean, we just saw the Dolphins do it, and historically New England not so great on wild card weekend, and if they move on, not so great moving forward. For all the hype that will be made about the playoffs, for all the good things, for all the happy memories that will be made, there were some bad things that happened, i.e., jobs were lost. Yes. So it's Black Monday. That's the other thing we got to talk about. The playoffs comes some grief. The Panthers and the Redskins already fired their head coaches in the season. The Cleveland Browns wasted absolutely no time I know. No, in firing not. Freddie Kitchens, who, according to Ian Rappaport was emotionally telling him that he got fired. Uh, after thinking that he was going to get support from the Cleveland like, why uh, organizational support. I mean, I guess they must have told him that and they pulled the rug out. Like, well, why yeah, but, you, you know, you, you don't tell a kid that you're going to kill the dog. You say it's going to go up, you know, to a farm upstate. You don't say that. So, but Freddie Kitchens is out, which leads us to the big question, a question we've asked ourselves many times over. Uh, where do the Browns go from here?
0: Huh. Uh, <laughs> <It's> church? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I don't know, man. Here's the problem the Browns have, okay? Looking at it from the way people in the league will look at it, they fired a coach after one year. Mm-hmm. No, Kitchens stunk, and he had to be fired. And everyone knows that. I think on some level, including Freddie Kitchens. The problem is, this isn't the first time that Jimmy Haslam has won and done the coach, okay? They've done this before. Rod Chiz- Chizinski says yep. hello, all right? They have done this many, many times where the guys had two years, and they fired them. At some point, prospective coaches are going to say, "I don't want to go there and get a chance for a year." Like they stink. I got to turn this around. This went six and ten. Like, I got to. I got to have some time. The other thing is, is you got to get the right guy in there to deal with Baker. Because, yep. look uh, straight up, that's been a shit show. Okay, yep. twenty-two touchdowns, twenty-one picks, all the nonsense with him. The good news is, not so many endorsements rolling in this off so he's going to have more time to focus. But even like, anyone who's on Twitter probably saw the video of like him screaming at Bengals fans before the game. Yep. Like, why don't you come down here and say that to my face? It's ridiculous. Like, there is in no world would I ever imagine seeing Russell Wilson do that, nope. or Lamar Jackson do that, or Patrick Mahomes do that, or Tom Brady do that, or Drew Brees. Or like, the yep. list goes on and on and on. Right? Like, you'd be a hell of a lot easier to name the guys you think would do it. Very yep. few. It's ridiculous. So you're going to have to find somebody with Cleveland who I think is an offensive coach because you've got to fix Mayfield. That's got to be job number one. And you've got to get somebody in there who's no nonsense. Look, I think McCarthy, Mike McCarthy, is, is a good fit for them. He is a good head coach. I know he ended up burning out in, in Green Bay. The man won a Super Bowl. And if they could have fielded an onside kick, it would have been to a second one. Yep. Like, he's a good head coach. You could do a hell of a lot worse for Cleveland. So for me... Dorsey and McCarthy have long-standing ties. They're very close. They're very good friends. They talked about the job last year for a variety of reasons. didn't happen. I think McCarthy would be a very good fit in Cleveland because I think he'd at least be best equipped to straighten him out. And because of his clout, Haslam can't just fire him after a year. Yep, He's got to be there for a handful of years. And McCarthy could say, look, you're giving me a five-year contract and force Haslam's hand to some degree.
1: So the Browns. We can assume probably going to go after Mike McCarthy. Kevin Stefanski's name has been thrown out there in rumors so far. I don't think this is going to be a quick fix. I think the Browns opening is going to be there for a little bit because they have to get this right. There's going to be a lot of jobs on the line here. So there's not going to be a rush to get this job filled. Uh, Other jobs, I mean, we mentioned the Redskins. Yep. We mentioned the Panthers. Those are the only three official openings. Other openings that we're expecting to be there, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, who technically don't have a head coach right now because Jason Garrett's contract was over-effective at the end of Week 17. Right. Um, and then the Jacksonville Jaguars, who on Sunday morning were going to fire uh, Doug Marone, according to ESPN. And then the Jaguars said, "Nah, not so fast. After the game, Doug Marone kind of made a joke about it, saying that he's going to have to go drink some beers before he talks to the media again. Sure. Uh, but we can assume that the Jaguars job, especially with the Tom Coughlin stuff going on, and they're going to have to figure some things out, that job will be open. What is the best job on the market out there, in your opinion? Like, if you're if you're going to be a head coach and you think that one of these jobs is going to turn around, because 14, 14 jobs have opened up over the last two years, since 2018. Thirteen or fourteen, and only four of those coaches that have been hired have produced a playoff berth. Success is not fast,
0: right? I, you know what? It's processed by elimination. Okay, the Browns' job is not the best job. The Redskins' job, come on now, now no. apparently Ron, Ron Rivera, Rivera. By the way, is a clear front runner, and I think if the Redskins, my God, if they can get Ron Rivera in there. They should hire him before he has enough sense to walk away. <laughs> I, oh, my goodness. They should hire him in a heartbeat, okay? Um, you know, of all the prospective jobs, I I think Dallas is the best job.
1: Even with Jerry?
0: Yeah. Because he's 78. And I think like, at some point here, he's going to turn this thing over to Steven. Yeah. I also think that if you're Jerry, like, you know – okay. The times now, we got to win now. Maybe I'm best suited to to not, listen, not step out of the way. because he's never going to step out of the way, but maybe you know, kind of let this new guy run the show a little bit. Like, look, be fair to Jerry Jones. He just gave Jason Garrett a decade. Yep, like it's true. They're really talented. I think Dak has a, has another level to get to, and if, and you know you know. Like Jerry Jones has never been a light on light on getting into his pockets, Mm-mm. so you're going to get paid well. You've got a really good roster, you've got a passionate fan base, you've got a, a team that like you know, look, he, Jones has given support to coaches before who have been embattled. Yeah, I think that's the best job because it's clearly the best team
1: that's going to have an opening. Well, who do they hire then? Because that's the big question. Rivera, because I like Rivera in, in Dallas, there. but if Rivera's off the board who I think he would have been a good fit in Jacksonville, too. Rivera's right. clearly the best guy out there. And let's say McCarthy goes to Cleveland. Who, who does Jerry Jones go and get? Lincoln Riley? Like, does he go to college? Does the Urban Meyer dream come true? Like, what, what happens in Dallas? Like, who do they get? Um, you know what? I think
0: I think the Dallas, it's going to be someone outside. There's nobody inside who makes any sense. No. Urban Meyer's a guy, yeah, look, you'd have to say – He's going to get considered. He's a huge name. Jerry loves big names, um, so that would that would make some sense. Uh, you know, you mentioned Kevin Stefanski, uh, the Vikings' or offensive coordinator. I will say one thing about this, and this is not knocking Kevin Stefanski. Like, they brought in a lot of help for that offense beyond just Stefanski, and he's done a nice job. But like, I talked to Rick Spielman before the year. I wrote a piece of Fanside about it, and one thing that he he talked about was hey, like we brought in Rick Dennison and Gary Kubiak to basically coordinate our run game. So, how much of that offense is because of Dennison and Kubiak, and how much of it is Stamansky? Yeah, look, I, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to pretend to have the inside knowledge in Dallas and what they're going to do. I think Meyer is a guy to watch there, and then I think after that, look, Eric Bieniemy is a guy who makes some sense. Like, they, to me, they have to hire somebody who's offensive, mm-hmm. they got to get somebody in there who can try to get back to that next level and really unlock the keys to that offense.
1: Does Marvin Lewis get a job this offseason? <laughs> I,
0: I don't think so. I think if he was going to get one, it would have been a Ooh, Washington. Washington.
1: Yeah. Let me throw a name out there. In four seasons with the Detroit Lions, Jim Caldwell went to the playoffs twice, yep. had one losing season, uh, and he got fired after a 9-7 and seven finish in 2017. And now we like to make fun of Jim Caldwell here because, you know, the whole dead behind the eyes look. He's as emotionless as a coach can be on the sideline. But Matt Patricia is the coach of the Lions now. And Matt Patricia's taken that team, taken a team that went to the playoffs with Jim Caldwell it's not good. and completely deconstructed it. It is not good. Should Jim Caldwell get some calls? It's not the sexiest thing. But if you're the Jaguars, are you going to get a home run? I don't think so. You're not going to get one of the biggest names, but could you get a Caldwell? If Caldwell goes to Jacksonville, can he do something like maybe institute a culture there? Or is this just kind of like running back Doug Marone a little bit?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think Caldwell does get the shaft a little bit. Because you look at his career, he's actually had a pretty good career With as a coach. Two Super Bowls. But I think... I, I think he's probably somewhat low on the totem pole. I don't think he's going to be a, a name that jumps at The problem is – and look, no, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. He doesn't excite you. He doesn't excite – Like, if, if, if some team hires Jim Caldwell, is that fan base excited about that? Maybe they should be, but they're not, right? Like, I, I think you're going to see a lot of coordinators. I think, look, guys out there, guys like Greg Roman, Biennemi, Stefanski – uh, Wink Martindale also of the Ravens, Robert Salah, yep. although the Blooms kinda of come off his rows a little bit the last month, month and a half, because their defense is getting killed. That said though, I think he's a guy who will get a lot of looks. Um, you know, so I think you're probably looking more at those guys. McDaniels is a name that's out there every yeah. year, head coach and waiting kind of in New England, but would you leave? Who knows? So it's interesting to see how it all plays out.
1: I don't think that Robert Salah or Greg Roman should leave. Like Having a fun defense offense doesn't make you a good head coach. Historically, we've seen that not end well. And if you're a bad team and you're going to go out and hire one of these guys, you're probably not going to make a good decision about it. So that's that. All right, Vertoram. Week 17's over. It's in the books. Playoffs are going to start. You're going to be back on Thursday with Jeff. You guys are going to talk about the odds. You're going to talk some in and out. You're going to do all that stuff. But for now, nice little snackable version of stacking the box.